Today, tonight, is May 3rd, 2017. The title of tonight's message is, Well, Well, Well. Everybody look at your neighbor and say, Well, Well, Well. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, and we're going to start in verse 6. I know I hadn't told you this in a while. But man, I love my church. Goodness gracious. It's a great transition as a pastor when you're moving from worried about getting in front of people speaking to realize that you're talking to family. That you're here and the Lord has given you the right heartbeat for your people, for the people who are here. I believe this word is specially designed for you today. It's not something that I've got out of some box of sermons somewhere. It's for you. God's presence is for you. If I put these words on it, how many of you can agree with me that the Lord is calling you f- to more? You might have been feeling that, just not being able to put your, word, your hand around that. Look, pick up your hand. Don't, don't do it if you don't mean it. But... Do you see the hands around, guys? Look, just take a look. Keep your hands up. God's calling you to more. This, this is what He's saying to a lot of us now. So the, the, it, it is up to us to answer this and to figure out what exactly what He's saying. And in Genesis chapter 16, in verse 6, I want to start a story here. It says this, Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. Do with her whatever you think best. This is Hagar. <laughs> the story of Abraham and Sarah as they are waiting for a promise to take place. We know the story, right? They, ultimately, they have to wait about 25 years for the promise to take place. In the midst of the 25 years, they come up with a plan. How many of you ever come up with a plan? And then you regretted it later, right? Immediately after the plan gets here, there's tension, surprise, surprise, between Hagar and Sarah. Sarah's like, yeah, we can't have kids. Abraham, why don't you go ahead and um, let's go ahead and have a kid through Hagar. Surprisingly enough, that didn't work out that well. There were some tensions that, that occurred. You know, who could have guessed that, right? Your servant is in your hands, Abram said. He's talking to Sarah. Do with her whatever you think best. Then Sarai, Sarah, mistreated Hagar. She mistreated her. So Hagar fled from her. She ran away. Verse 7, the angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring. Everybody say a spring. In the desert. It was the spring that is beside the road to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? Can I encourage you tonight that if the Lord asks you a question, it's not because he doesn't know the answer. If the Lord is, if there is a question on your heart from the heavenly realm, I promise you that that question is for your benefit, not the Lord's. Amen. She says, I'm running away from my mistress. Then the angel of the Lord told her, go back to your mistress and submit to her. Can I encourage you folks, if you've been through a season, if you're in a time that you are being mistreated, I can encourage you that submission will produce increase in your life. We like to just run away. We want it to be the easy way. The Lord shows us here in this story. Look what happens. The angel of the Lord says, go back to your mistress and submit to her. The angel of the Lord added, amen to adding, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. When we submit through difficulty, the Lord, it allows the Lord to increase. It allows the Lord to multiply what we are able to do. 
The angel of the Lord also said to her, You are now with child, and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael. Do you know what Ishmael means? You have a little note in your, a footnote in your Bible right there? Take a look so we can not just have someone else teach us this. It sh- you should have a little footnote, and it says, God hears. God hears. Wow. What an encouragement. That every time she would call the name of her son, she would remember that God heard her. That God understood what was going on. And it's almost, we see it again so many times throughout the Bible that God hears. He is moved with compassion as he hears. He will, this man will be a wild donkey of a man. His hand will be against everyone and everyone's hand against him. He will live in hostility toward all his brothers. Verse 13, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. I thought he was the God who hears. Yes, he's the God who hears you and he's the God who sees you. For she said, I have now seen the one who sees me. That is why the well was called Beer Lahai Roy. It is still there between Kadesh and Bered. Well, well, well. We see our first well here. There are many wells in the Bible. The idea that you have a central place. So if you're going to move somewhere and you're moving a flock of sheep and you're moving your household in these days, you know what was very important? Figure out where food and water was. And you want to start off with the water. Because everything else springs from there. We were just in India and our host, Pastor Ann in Israel, was so very gracious to us because he managed our water supply. Everywhere we were, he was like, yeah, don't drink that. No, no, no. Uh, Actually, you need to wash that cup because they washed it in water that will make you sick. Hey, Ann, and there's just a drop. Yeah, you need to wipe that off really good. Here, let's get you some bottled water. Let's take care of you so you guys don't get sick. Amazing. We had six people on the trip. For almost two weeks in India, no one got sick. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. <laughs> it was incredible. The, re- the main reason that we had that miracle was because someone was looking after our water supply. Hagar's here and she says, she names the well Beer Lahai Roy, which means the living one who sees me. That's what the name of this one is. Come on, how many of you need to be reminded that the living one sees you right where you are? He hasn't forgotten you. He hears your cry and he sees exactly where you are. This is well number one. Let's take a look. Let's go to Genesis chapter 21. Genesis chapter 21 and let's start in verse 11. (laughs) Guess who we're talking about? Hagar again. We fast forward a few chapters. We have a very similar kind of setup here. Verse 11, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. Which son? Ishmael. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your maidservant. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the maidservant into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Folks, the Lord that we serve loves the entire world. He cares about this people group as well. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders. Everybody say shoulders. Shoulders. Hmm. And then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Now this is kind of a fun thing here because we're in verse 15, I guess it is. So she went on her way and wandered in the desert of Beersheba. Um, It's not named Beersheba yet. It's like saying that Christopher Columbus found America. Well, when he found it, it wasn't called America, right? It was called something else. And what we have here is a, it's an interesting thing. After the fact, we look back and we understand 
that she was wandering in the desert of Beersheba. Verse 15, when the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down nearby about a bow shot away, for she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. Do you have a little footnote there on she? If you have a little footnote in your Bible, a little letter there, you should be able to look down. What these tell us in your word, when you're studying the word and you're looking and you see a little letter, stop and take a look at what it's saying. When they do this, that means, in the case like this, it means it's an equally valid translation. That they couldn't put both of them in the same place, so they, they chose one, and then they put the other like this one. Some people may put this other answer here. And it says, as she sat there nearby, she began to sob. But in the footnote, it says, the child began to sob. Because look at the next verse. Um, God heard the boy crying. Let me encourage you, whether you're crying, whether your kids are crying, our God hears it. <laughs> Amen. God heard the boy crying and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, what is the matter? What did we say about questions from the heavens? Truly more for our benefit and not as if the heavens don't understand. What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up and take him by the hand for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. Was the well already there? She just hadn't seen it before. Can I encourage you that God's got provision for you? God's got you taken care of, even if you don't always see it. If you are walking in his ways, he will have provision there, but he will lift up your eyes so that you can see it. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. Let's take a look down. Let's skip down to verse 25. Verse 25, this is Abraham and Abimelech. Then Abraham complained to Abimelech about a well of water that Abimelech's servants had seized. These men had made a treaty with each other. And they're, or they're about to make a treaty with each other. But Abimelech said, I don't know who has done this. You did not tell me. And I heard about it only today. So Abraham brought sheep and cattle and gave them to Abimelech. And the two men made a treaty. Abraham set apart seven ewe lambs from the flock. And Abimelech asked Abraham, what is the meaning of these seven ewe lambs you have set apart by themselves? He replied, accept these seven lambs from my hand as a witness that I dug this well. Um, by the way, this is not just seven lambs that they're offering to increase someone's flock. This is seven lambs that what they were going to do is they were actually going to act as a witness that Abraham had dug this well. Why is that important? <laughs> If you're in a land, you need to know, hey, we can come back to this. This is rightfully ours. This is a place, this is a place of revelation that we found. We want to make a covenant so that we remember this place because it's that important to us. We're going to be able to get fresh water for generations to come. We want to mark this spot. So what they did is they took the seven lambs. By the way, as far as I can remember, this is the only time in the Bible that this type of sacrifice is given. Something unique. Because what you would do is you would split these animals in half. You would cut them in half, lay them out, and Abimelech and Abraham would walk through them. And the idea is while you're doing this, you're saying, we're making a covenant together. And if either one of us breaks this covenant, may it happen to us just like it happened to this sacrifice. You're making a witness. This is not like, you promise? Yeah, I promise. Not in our culture. This is, may, may we be cut in half and thrown out like this 
if either one of us breaks this covenant. Going on. Verse 31. So that place was called Beersheba because the two men swore an oath there. Beersheba means the well of the sevens or the well of the oath. Uh, Justin Treister, I believe the Treisters visited Beersheba, is that right? Uh, as they were in Israel, had a little time there. Beersheba becomes the southernmost border of what they call, of what Israel is. It was a common phrase. You see it in Judges, you see it in Kings, you see it in different places. From Dan, from the northernmost point, to Beersheba, the, the southernmost point in that realm. It was a practical boundary that everybody knew exactly where it was because of this well. Verse 32, after the treaty had been made at Beersheba, Abimelech and Philcal, the commander of his forces, returned to the land of the Philistines. Abraham planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. And there he called upon the name of the Lord, the eternal God. Abraham wanted to mark this spot by having an evergreen tree, a tamarisk tree, something that would produce uh, fruit and greenness all year round. So whenever you would be looking for it, you would be able to find this well at Beersheba. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 26. Well, well, well. Genesis 26. Verse 12. We've been talking about Abraham, looking at Hagar and Abraham and that situation there. Now we're moving on to Abraham's son, Isaac. Isaac planted crops in that land and the same year reaped a hundredfold. Everybody say the same year. It's not typical for you to sow something and in the same year reap a hundredfold. That's why they're bringing it up. This was something that was a supernatural sign of God's favor. Because the Lord blessed him. Verse 13, the man became rich and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. I guess you get rich and then you get wealthy and then you get very wealthy. I guess that's the progression. He had so many flocks and herds and servants that the Philistines envied him. Everybody say envied. We can understand what that's like. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Um, This is always going to be the case for believers. There's always going to be a force that's trying to stop up the wells. The reason I want us to get back to worship here in just a few minutes tonight is this. You got to get your wells unstopped. The Philistines, a symbol of the worldly way of doing things, are going to try to put earthly thoughts, earthly things. Every force around you is trying to get you to, to fill in the well that God had un, and had opened up to you. If the enemy can do that, what happens? You, you die. You have to get these wells unstopped in our life. How do we, how do we get wells stopped up? Well, we let fear dominate us. Can I encourage you guys in this? Um, it was easy in India to look at a woman who is demon-possessed and deal with her. I'm not saying that because we're something special. It's easy because you know exactly what you're dealing with. We saw it on her. My kids saw it, and they were like, wow, Dad, she's demon-possessed. Yes, she's demon-possessed. Can we, can we get in there? Of course. We, we were kind of wrestling with each other as a family who was going to get there first. You know what's not as easy? When the demonic forces sound like your own voice. When there are those thoughts that you kind of go, oh yeah, but you're not going according to God's word. 
You're not having His Spirit and His Word guide you. You're just saying whatever you think is there. And you know what happens? The enemy is able to influence your thoughts, put these little fiery darts at you, and you accept it much easier than if someone stood and started manifesting some crazy demon in front of you. That's not the part that I'm worried about. I think those are easy. We're the ones that have the authority. We can lay hands and cast out the demons and get that person filled with the Holy Spirit and move on. You know what's really hard as a pastor? It's trying to encourage you not to listen to these fiery darts that are filling up your well. Just dirt getting poured in there and you, and you just take it. You just take it in because it sounded good and it sounds like you should keep fighting with that and we're saying, no, 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 that's terrible. That's a big deal. And you're like, no, it's not a big deal. What are you talking about? Why y'all got to be so that way? No, it's a big deal when you, don't, when you allow the enemy to just pour buckets of dirt in your well. We have to, part of our fight right now as a church, the big things, the big obvious things are the easy part. Sounds crazy, right? It's not what you think. When the devil appears before you, you know exactly what you're supposed to do. You get your sword and you start fighting. It's these little thoughts, it's these little things that just creep in. It's these little bents that you have that, that are not righteous thoughts but you allow them to stay. You don't quite deal with them. You don't realize that they're a big deal, but they're polluting your well. It's, it's shovel full of dirt after shovel full of dirt after shovel full of dirt. And pretty soon, your well, you can't even see the water anymore. It's polluted. And God's saying to, to us tonight, let's unstop these wells. Church, let's stop filling the wells with our thoughts. Your thoughts are made of the same stu- substance of the earth. Your own personal thought. No matter how smart you are, this is not an intelligence issue. This is not a training issue. I'm not saying that you've never had a good thought. What I'm saying is, left to our own devices, the more you fill yourself with your own thoughts, it's like taking shovelful after shovelful of dirt and throwing it in your well. I feel like this is a simple word, and I'm hanging out on it because we need to know this. Yeah. Yeah. Nah. We need to do something about this. Yeah. You can't let it rest that way. You can't decide that you're going to try to handle a financial situation and a financial crisis that you're going through with your own strength. You have to go to the Word and figure it out. You know why? Because that's going to be a big old wheelbarrow full of dirt you're going to pour in there. How are you going to raise your kids? How are you going to live in your home? What you're going to do next? The job that you take, the job that you're in, whatever it is, your thoughts are going to be polluted if you're not using the Word as your guide. I don't care how new you are in the faith. I don't care how many years you've been in the faith. Anybody who's been in the faith would go, yes, amen, this is true. Golly, I didn't do that the other... You should be thinking things that you've done in the last day, in the last week that you're like, yeah, that was... Golly, I guess now that I think about it, that was just dirt that was pouring in my own well. Amen. The Philistines stopped up the wells, filling them with earth. God. What a great picture of what happens to us. You get filled. In the New Testament, they would, it, would, it would look like this. And if you're in Matthew 13 and you've got the parable of the, of the soils, that would say something like you would get choked out by the cares of this life. Your schedule can be pouring dirt in your well. What you spend your time on. How you decide you need to relax. Yeah, you know what I figured out? Um, 
if I don't go 100% all out, then I just don't do very well. If I don't follow God's plan exactly, I just, I muck things up very, very quickly. So do you. The only difference is, is in this room, the only difference between all of us is how long it takes you to figure out that you've mucked it up. And how long, that's the only difference between you and me. Some of us realize really quickly and so we correct it and we move on. Others of us kind of like, we kind of float around in a little while. We kind of make little mud patties, make a little mud castle, kind of play with it for a little while and then realize we're completely covered and be like, oh man. Yeah, maturity in the, in the body is that you, you, you get to it very quickly. You're like, whoo, ah, no, I didn't want to pour that dirt in there like that. I got to get that out. Lord, help me right now. Immediate repentance. Immediately we do what's right. You can't let the Philistines fill your wells with earth. Let's keep going. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. Look at this, 18. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham had died. And he gave the same names his father had given them. Same place, same name. You know how this, the truth of the gospel lasts from all the way in Abraham's time until now? You've got to keep going back to those same wells. The same wells that the generation before you has dug. The same truthful places that we can find God's Word. It's like, almost like we're supposed to be surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that we can see the right way, handed down all the way from the beginning of time until now, that we can see that God has done this. It's almost like we should find some... some <laughs> Uh, in Luke, it talks about new wineskins, putting new wine in new wineskins. And the last phrase of that chapter says something to the effect of, because the old wine is better. We're trying to find this revelation that has been marked out for us. We're trying to go back and find out the revelation of our forefathers and say, what is it that you guys are doing? We don't, we've got plenty of examples of people around us not doing it right. What is the Bible? Let's go back to this ancient way that is still more re relevant than we can care to admit, even though our churches in our area want to do it different. We want to be contemporary. <laughs> the Word of God is not relevant What's wrong with you? You need to help the Word of God out? Really? No more than, a, than you need to help a lion out. Someone's about... A little, little kids are about to get the lion. Yeah, just let the lion loose. It'll be all right. He can defend himself, I promise. This Word of God can defend itself. It will change you. I am not afraid to go into another culture and somebody go, um, well, we have millions of gods. Yeah, I got the one true and living God. I'm not afraid of that. I'm a heathen. I don't believe in God. Well, that's okay. I don't believe in you. It's fine. <laughs> I don't believe you. I, you we'll, we'll let this thing is real. Let it work in your life. He, he, un, uh, he reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham. Come on, what wells do you need to reopen tonight, guys? What wells do you need to reopen? Think about it. Maybe you need to go dig a well and find out that the, there's the power of the Holy Spirit that can come in and wash over you. 
Maybe you've had some of those things, but the truth is, is you've let the cares of this world just load up dirt in your well. Maybe you can't go around and you really have a tough time walking around with joy in your life. Really? The joy of the Lord is our strength. Nehemiah says. If the joy of the Lord is your strength and you have no joy, then you got no strength. If you're getting tired when you're running with the footman, how are you going to race when the horses get here? We're a church that is designed. We want every single person in this place to be able to run with the horses. Some of you in here, many of you are called into ministry. And some of you are not. Not everyone in the room is called to five-fold ministry. But you know what? We care about how you develop. We're not going to have two different standards. One for those who are pastors and one for everyone else. And you don't have to be as good because you're really not called to the five-fold ministry. There's one standard of righteousness and we will all come up to it. You may have a different function in this house. You may be called to be a five-fold minister. You may be a pastor. Or we're going to send out an apostle. We're going to send out people who are going to go do a work. We're going to plant work, raise up other works, and go after it. Praise God. But you know what? If you're not, that doesn't make you less in this house. Amen. Pastor Eric found uh, one of the first um, newsletters that had been written. I think before the P. Rose even got here. You know what was in the newsletter? About raising up ministers but caring about one life at a time. Amen. That every single life... Let me tell you something. If you've been in here and you think that you are less because you're not called to five-fold ministry, you've allowed the enemy, you've allowed the Philistines to fill your well with sand. Stop it. We want to see us all... The crazy part is, is we've all, we've got to have, we have to have the same standard. Cody and I cannot have different standards serving the Lord. It cannot be possible for us to have a different standard. Different function? Yes. Different expression of what the Lord is going to do in our life? Absolutely. Different giftings? Perfectly normal. Different standards? Absolutely not. Amen. That goes for every single person in here. If you've been here for two minutes or 20 years, this is the standard that we will all come up to. Amen. Or we will die trying. This is what we're going towards. Don't get discouraged if you're here and you are not yet up to the standard, but be honest with yourself and say, yeah, I'm not up to the standard. Well, then reopen your well. Let the living water come into you and start doing it now. If you were going to be a person who worked out a great deal, be ridiculous to say, I can't bench press... 300 pounds right now. I, by the way, I cannot bench press 300 pounds right now. But I could if you gave me some time. I could. I, I, I could get in there and I can get after it. And I could, I could work towards that. That is within something that I could do if you gave me enough time and I really worked at it. What we're saying is there is a goal that's out there and you'll never get there if you just go, that's too hard for me. That's... That's just for Pastor Matt. That's just for Nick and Sam. They're about to go to Turkey. They, they got to live that way, but the rest of us don't. Ridiculous. Amen. Quit shoveling the dirt in your well. Quit letting the enemy do this. We're going to reopen these wells tonight. Amen. We're going to reopen them. The things that God has put in you, the promises that He's made, and, and the things that you've walked away from, the things that you've hidden, the things that you've just ignored. Yeah, 
we're, we're going we're to get rid of all of that. Pastor Matt loves saying that repentance precedes the power. Amen. Here, I'm going to say that a little bit different way for tonight's context. We're going to unstop those wells by not hiding it any longer. By the way, you don't fix things hiding it. Our church is a crazy church. We're saying if you get corrected, come close. You know what you want to do? You want to run away. I want to run away. Ah! No, we do the opposite. We press in because we know that it's good for us. We know that these things are good for us. We know that correction, we should, you should love correction in your life. Could you put up, uh, Susan, can you put up Psalm 141.5? This, this should be a verse that is so common. I should just be able to say the numbers to you. And if you're not that yet, yet there, it's okay. You're going to stick around long enough and this verse is going to mean something to you. It says this, Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. Let him rebuke me. It is oil upon my head. My head will not refuse it. Yet my prayer is ever against the, ev- the deeds of evildoers. Amen. How many of you have been corrected up in this place? How many of you loved it? How many of you loved it eventually? <laughs> Some of y'all are lying now, but it's okay. You, you and I both know some of you are like, hey, yeah, eventually. I mean, the point hadn't come yet, but eventually I'll like it. You know what happens when you start loving correction? From wherever it comes. Someone's older than you, you take it. By God, you better take it in this kind of church. Someone's younger than you and they're righteous in their, what they're saying, you should take it. You know why? Because it helps you to unstop your wells. The Newer Testament version of this is that we're supposed to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily, and follow Him. Deny yourself, (laughs) clean out your well daily, and do exactly what He tells you to do. Sometimes we make this more difficult than it needs to be. It's difficult because it's hard to accomplish, but not because it's always hard to understand. There's a difference in this. Verse 18 of Genesis 26, Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names that his father had given him. (laughs) Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water's ours. Not only do we go and find the wells of our forefathers, the righteous wells that have been dug, and we call them the same thing. They don't need an update on the names, but we are supposed to also find fresh revelation for ourselves. The Word is so rich. The Word is so good. Um, Susan, we'll just do a couple of rapid-fire things here. Uh, Deuteronomy 29, 29 should be familiar to us. If it's not, write it down. This is our church. This is a verse we use all the time. You should know it. If you don't, then learn it. Amen. The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may follow all the words of the Lord. In other words, that well that you find that's precious, that you dig and dig and dig. Do you understand what the problem with a well is? 
You got to keep digging. Do you know how, we, how deep the well at Beersheba, they say, was? It's at least 75 feet deep. And they think in the time of Abraham, it was more like 150 feet deep. How deep are you willing to dig before you give up? I didn't find anything. Um, how about when you know there's something there? After you study the Bible for a little while, you'll read a passage and you're like, there's something right there. I don't know what it means yet. I may have to study this for years before I know what it means. But you'll read something and you go, mm. you, the little metal detector. You find something you're like, I'm just going to start digging. Hopefully I have enough time between now and when I preach that I'll find something. If I don't, Sometimes I don't. Like, praise God, I'm coming back to that one. Make a note on that. Because there's something there even if I don't get it yet. I may, need to, I may need to go learn 10 or 15 other things before I can dig deep enough on that. I may not have the right tools to dig deep enough yet, but you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to find those things. Um, uh, Isaiah 59, 21. As for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord, my spirit who is on you and my words that I have put in your mouth will not depart from your mouth or from the mouths of your children or from the mouths of their descendants from this time on and forever, says the Lord. Let's do Matthew 13, uh, 52. This should be somewhat familiar to you. He said to them, Therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. The old wells that he renamed, just like his father had done, and the new wells that they're digging up on their own. Let's go to Galatians uh, 1.12. <laughs> I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. This is Paul. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. He went out and dug his own well. Amen. That's the kind of church that we want to be, amen? amen. We're, going to have, we're going to have enough that we understand what the generations before us have been teaching, the truth of the gospel. And you get to have your own revelation. You get to have your own nuggets that you find. Turn to Revelation, speaking of, chapter 1, verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Man, we want to be able to be a church that gets revelation. Uh, I think I skipped a writing, didn't I? Uh, Psalm 119. Verse 1. Try verse 97. We might have to read a few, but it's all right. Oh, how I love your law. I meditated on it all day. All day long. Next verse. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. For my enemies are ever with me. The commands are ever with me. Next one. I have more insight than all my teachers, for I meditate on your statutes. If I dig long enough, if I dig hard enough, I'm going to have what I need. You will be able to surpass your teachers. Your teachers are telling you that we want you to surpass your teachers. Why? Because you're going to meditate on the Word. You're going to find those wells for yourself. Let's go back to Genesis. Yo, with me? Yes. Let's look at verse 20. But, uh, Genesis 26, 20. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. 
So he named the well Essek. Everybody say Essek. Because they disputed with him. You know what? When you, get some, when you get some revelation from the Lord, there's going to be dispute. When you're trying to, sometimes when you're trying to find out the will of the Lord for your life, man, there's, there's something in there that starts rubbing. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also. So he named it Sitna. Sitna means opposition. Are you just going to fold up when the opposition comes? Of course not. That's not the kind of people that we are. He moved on from there and dug another well. This is the third well. And no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, Now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. Woo! Man, we keep fighting. Chris, you got to keep fighting for some things, don't you? Man, if you guys hadn't heard the testimony of Chris and his family, you need to. You need to hear the testimony of the ministry that they're building right now with their own hands. Scratching it from the very earth. You know what they're doing? They find a well and what happens? Someone's quarreling over it. Fine, keep it. We're going to go over here. They find another one. What happens? They run into opposition. What happens? The Lord is getting them to a place now where they're going to find the right room. They're going to get get to settle in and enjoy the well that they just dug. Amen? A few more verses and then we will get to a good place here. Verse 23, From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid. You know what happens when we get to the right place? We fought to dig our wells. We fought to get it right. You know what? We can actually get a place where we hear some divine impartation from the Lord. For I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Let's look down at verse 28. They answered, We saw clearly that the Lord was with you, so we said there ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will do us no harm. Verse 30. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and drank. Early the next morning the men swore an oath to each other, then Isaac sent them on their way, and they left in peace. Everybody say, in peace. in peace. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. They said, we found water. He called it Sheba. There's a little bit of a, of a Bible difficulty here. You know what Sheba means? Seven or the oath. Do you remember what Beersheba means? The well of seven or the well of the oath. Some people aren't quite sure who actually named it. They're, tr- they're trying to say as if this were two different things. We could talk about that at a different time. <laughs> you know what I think? I think it's the same well. I personally do. I think it's the same. But they're getting to it and they're going, we've got something brand new. This is awesome. We dug this up. Amen. You know what happens is we find a revelation, and you know what you, you, you do? You realize that someone else has already had that revelation. You're taking up something, and it is so fresh to you. It is so alive to you. You're like, this, i got to go tell everybody about this. Amen. This is exactly the way it has been. Because this is exactly the way that it should be. So as you're finding these nuggets of, of revelation, you know what it does? It actually just confirms. You don't get disappointed. You're like, no, I found this. Well, it's incredible. Amen. And then you'll realize that people have been teaching that exact thing for 2,000 years. You're like, 
Yeah, what's up? This is good. If your revelation is so far out that no one has ever heard of it, perhaps it's not the right kind of revelation. Amen. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 29. Verse 1, then Jacob, we have Abraham, we have Isaac, now we have Jacob. Then Jacob continued on his journey and came to the land of the eastern peoples. There he saw a well in the field with three flocks of sheep lying near it because the flocks were watered from that well. The stone over the mouth of the well was large. Does that remind you of anything? A large stone? Uh Uh-huh. When all the flocks were gathered there, the shepherds would roll the stone away from the well's mouth and water the sheep. Then they would return to the stone to its place over the mouth of the well. (laughs) Jacob asked the shepherds, My brothers, where are you from? We're from Haran, they replied. Oh, do you know Laban, Nahor's grandson? Yes, we know him. Then Jacob asked them, Is he well? Yes, he is, they said. And here comes his daughter, Rachel, with the sheep. Look, he said, the sun is still high. It is not time for the flocks to be gathered. Water the sheep and take them back to the pasture. Listen to this. We can't. I mean, we're shepherds and we have our sheep here, but we can't water them yet. Why is that? We need all the flocks until all the flocks are gathered and the stone has been rolled away from the mouth of the well. Then we water the sheep. We're trying to gather everybody here at one time to do this. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep for she was a shepherdess. Everybody say shepherdess. Shepherdess. It's almost like a pastress, you know? A shepherdess. When Jacob saw Rachel, daughter of Laban, his mother's brother, and Laban's sheep, he went over and rolled the stone away from the mouth of the well and watered his uncle's sheep. I just thought they said that they couldn't do that. Yep, he didn't care. He saw it and said, you know what, I'm going to go get this. We're 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 going to go take a look at this. Then Jacob kissed Rachel. Wow, that escalated quickly. And began to weep aloud. Hey guys, for you single guys in here. Not the way to start a relationship. (laughs) Whoa. Simmer down now. Jacob kissed Rachel and began to weep aloud. He told Rachel that he was a relative of his father, and a son of Rebekah. So, so she ran and told him. This is where Jacob starts to work for seven years for the daughters of Laban. He's at a well and he finds his wife. You know where Isaac found his wife? At a well. You know where Moses found his in-laws? At a well. Let's turn to the Newer Testament here. Let's turn to John chapter 4. We're almost, we're almost done here. Y'all stay with me. John chapter 4, starting in verse 4. It says, Now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Everybody say, Jacob's well. And Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. That should encourage you. Jesus was absolutely all God. 
absolutely divine in every way. And you know what? When he was on this earth, he actually got tired. Amen. He knows exactly what we feel like. Sat down there by Jacob's well, and we know the story of he and the Samaritan woman drawing water. He engages with her where? At the well. Let's turn, to, let's turn back to Jeremiah chapter 2. Just a few more. Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's look at verse 13. It says this, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and they've dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. Here it says that they have forsaken me, the spring of living water. The first place that it speaks of the living water in Scripture is back when Isaac was reopening the wells of his father. That um, Mayim Chaim, that living water that God was producing, just as the living water He brought to the Samaritan woman. Turn to Zechariah chapter 14. Wow. Kids are super fast, man. Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 8. It says, On that day, living water will flow out from Jerusalem. Living water will half to the eastern sea and half to the western sea in summer and in winter. Let's turn to Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7, and we're going to look at verse 15. It says this, Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve Him day and night in His temple. And he who sits on the throne will spread his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat upon them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs or to wells of living water. The Lamb Himself will lead them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. As we get ready to worship, uh, Peyton and the team, you guys can come on back up. I want the Lord to lead us to these wells, to these springs of living water tonight. Let's turn to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. What a familiar passage to us as Spirit-filled believers. Let's look at verse 37. On the last and greatest day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. And just in case we don't get it, the next verse tells us, By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not yet been given, since Jesus had not yet been glorified. <laughs> Last verse that, I, that we'll turn to tonight is Isaiah chapter 12. Pastor, you're going kind of fast. Yes, yes I am. Isaiah chapter 12. 
in the background of Jesus saying, hey, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. At the last and greatest day of the feast, this is what's going on in the background as they are quoting and singing from Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 12. And let's read verses 1 through 3. In that day you will say, I will praise you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. They are singing this in the background as Jesus stands up and says in a loud voice, If you're thirsty, come to me and drink. As they're saying, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. (laughs) Guys, let's stand to your feet with me. Can you put up back to verse 2 in this? I want us to read verses 2 and 3 together, out loud. Then we're going to worship. I just want you to unstop the wells that you have. If you're here tonight and you are full of the Holy Spirit... You speak in other tongues as the Lord, as the heavenly languages are imparted to you. Then I want you to be able to participate in that tonight and let the Lord start unstopping the wells. I want you to have joy as you draw water from the wells of salvation tonight. If you're here tonight and you need anything from the Lord, these altars are going to be open. You're going to have friends and pastors and elders who can be here and lay hands on you. Because you know what? You need to have your wells unstopped. You need to have them opened up or maybe you're here and you need to have your wells reopened. You need to get the junk out of your heart. You need to allow the Lord's Spirit to move upon you. We're going to read this together. Verses 2 and 3 together and then we're going to begin to worship. I believe that the Lord wants to do something special for us tonight. I believe that if you desire for the Lord to give you more, He will give you more tonight. I believe if you're here and you want to be filled with His Holy Spirit, then He will fill you with His Holy Spirit. If you're here and you've been filled for a long, long time and you just need to get filled again, He's going to do it for you. I feel His anointing here now. I feel like it's just bubbling forth and He's about to douse it upon us because we are here to drink with joy from the wells of salvation. Let's say this together just as the people of Israel would have done for year after year after year after century after century after millennia. Let's say it together. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. Mighty God, as we lift our hands to you right now, Would you douse us with the wells of salvation? Would you cause the living water to flow in this place tonight? Lord, forgive us. May we unstop our wells tonight. May we unstop these wells tonight.